I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align podcast. But most of us are taught to think that we are whom we are called. And when you're a little child and you begin to learn a role, and your parents and your peers approve of your being that. They know who you are. You're predictable. So you can be controlled. But when you act out of role and you imitate some other child's behavior, everybody points the finger and says, you're not being true to yourself. Johnny, that's not you, that's Peter. (laughs) And so you learn to stay Peter, or to stay Johnny. But of course, you're not either. Because this is just the image of you. It's as much of you as you can get into your conscious attention, which is precious little. Your image of yourself contains no information about how you structure your nervous system. It contains no information about your blood chemistry. It contains almost no information about the subtle influences of society upon your behavior. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's beautiful episode, I got to have uh, my new friend, Daniele Bolelli, on the show. Daniele is, uh, you might know him from his podcast, Drunken Taoist, or History on Fire. Um, he's also the writer of several books, uh, Create Your Own Religion, Not Afraid, On the Warrior's Path. On the Warrior's Path, I uh, couldn't recommend Morris uh, got me through really fun trip actually as I was traveling through Italy his homeland is when I, I read through that and um, really influential book so thanks for that Daniele we recorded this conversation sitting down on the ground of course in his house in Los Angeles and uh, really really wonderful place have uh, just a beautiful garden lots of foliage really beautiful views kind of up in the mountains ish so a uh, really wonderful place to record from and um, got into all sorts of stuff got into the effect of martial arts on his mental physical life practice got into this whole concept of mind-body integration um, the effect of him losing his wife and uh, how that affected his physical body and how he recuperated from that experience. So his kind of journey through that uh, got into all sorts of stuff. He's also a history teacher, a practicing history teacher at UCLA. So uh, his just the effect that his experience with history has, has uh, affected his perspectives in the world. Sometimes we romanticize, right? We like to look into the past, imagine there was this golden age where everything was great. Some things may have been a lot better than now. Right. Other things were 10 times worse. Yeah. I'm not here to make a contest of which one, if I have to pick which one, I don't have to pick. I can try to bring back the best stuff of one approach and combine it with the best of another. So really, really wonderful conversation. Again, thank you so much, Daniele. Uh, thank you for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find self-care kit, 
Um, as well, be sure to utilize the Amazon affiliate link. If you or anyone you know purchases crap on Amazon, please bookmark that link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast and blog page. Every time you buy anything on there, uh, Align Podcast Foundation gets about 7% of that purchase and it helps us out greatly. Um, I have a quote for y'all. Let's see here. What the quote from today or for today is actually mentioned in the podcast. It's going to be redundant, but uh, it's from Morhei Yoshiba, the founder of Aikido. And it goes something like this. Those who are possessed by nothing possess everything. Ain't that the truth? Uh, I think it's a fair idea to kind of go through our our, our day and uh, just see, witness some of the things that maybe we consciously or unconsciously are consumed by, like your cell phone, your tweets, or your Instagrams, all those things, and uh, just start witnessing that. That's all. Checking it out. What what possesses us? Um, Thank you so much for reviews on iTunes. Greatly, greatly appreciated. I value them so much. And uh, oh, this is is uh, the <laughs> super, super helpful. If you guys have any interest in um, getting a free audiobook, or anyone you know would like to have a free audiobook, um, super, super radical deal from Audible. If you just go to audibletrial.com/align, A-L-I-G-N, so that's Audible. A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align and then from there you get a free audiobook no strings attached you just get your audiobook you get to keep it for life and um, that's it and then again Line Podcast Foundation gets kicked down like 15 bucks for every person that downloads that free audiobook for themselves um, we get a little scratchola from that so amazing amazing way to support the podcast so jump onto Audible trial.com slash align and get yourself a free audiobook right meow please and thank you um i think that could be it we could be good is that enough that's enough all right here we go back to the show with mr daniele Bellelli. align podcast the warrior's path is that how we call it on the warrior's path on yes. the warrior's path that's like hands down one of my favorite books awesome so since then i've recommended it to a bunch of people i've highlighted the crap out of it and it's been it's been awesome. How long ago did you? When did Man, you write it's that? funny. That's a book that has been that I wrote over a long period of time because mm-hmm. there was an original version that I wrote way back in the day in Italian when I still I think you know I was living in US but it was, it was still speak, my writing was better in Italian than in English. So mm-hmm. I was twenty two years old when I wrote the initial part, uh, oh, cool. which it makes it. 21 years ago. Holy shit. Um, Then I wrote it in English, changing it a bit and adding three chapters so it became a more solid book. And in English, that was in 2003. So that's by now 13 years ago. Then I think we did a second edition that had a couple of extra chapters in 2008, I want to say. So it's been long. Like if somebody pick up the second edition of the English book, it's like there's a gap between when it was originally released in Italian and what it looks like in English of like probably 12 years or something. So it's right. interesting to see how some things evolve, some things stay the same. And Yeah. And so your background, you're a, you're a history teacher. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I just got back from Europe slash, uh, I say Africa, it sounds better, but Morocco. Uh-huh. And uh, so I spent the last winter cruising throughout there and I had this amazing experience of getting to see my origins as a white person Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you know, and seeing like going to England and seeing like oh wow this is, I grew up in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia right. so like wow this is like a lot like Philadelphia right, right. oh it's because it is yeah, it just spilled exactly. across you know and so that that I think it's it's so amazing to see just history using it as a tool of witnessing ourselves mm-hmm. that fantastic you know have you, do you feel like that's something that has has affected your How's that affected your life? How's it affected your movement? Has it affected well, your thoughts? To me, history gets interesting when you relate to it on a personal level. If you're not relating to it on a personal level, what the hell are we doing? Why are we studying it? What's the point? You know, then it becomes just a list of names and dates and stuff that is like, yeah, it may be accurate, but who cares? What's the point? You know, to me, it interests me when history become. At the most basic level, it should be like watching Game of Thrones, where it's just this powerful story and you're excited for what happens next, you know? Where on other level, it can really be about... uh, uh, In some way, the cool thing about history is that it's sort of... um, It gives you access to so much more human experience than you as an individual have, that as a result, it's super interesting to me because it allows you to tap into the experience of millions of other human beings so rather than have to depend only on what you have seen with your own eyes you can also granted that remains primary but you can also start borrowing like okay somebody had this idea way back when in 1527 let's see how it pan pan out for them how would it different today that's kind of the same way i feel right now why you know and you start seeing patterns of how sometimes great ideas turn not so great when you're applied in reality sometimes they do sometimes you know you can learn a bunch of just what it means to be human yeah in all about this stuff yeah you're familiar with rupert sheldrake mm-hmm. morphic resonance and all yeah. that i think is how he calls it you know, i i think that you can see you know the analogy that's been used many times before by all sorts of folks but we're kind of like at the head of the wave here mm-hmm. You know, and we're coming from the ocean, right? You know, but like we get so wrapped up in our ego and like, you know, my Twitter account and whatever is like the most important thing. And that's just this little box that we live in. Of course. But you are the head of the wave in the mother freaking ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that. that I don't know much about history, but I'm I'm so curious about learning more just because of it. I feel like it embodies me more in myself. Sure. You know what I mean? And to me, what's funny is, um, like, for example, not so long ago, I did this um, for this podcast. One of the two podcasts I do, the one about history that I do is called History on Fire. That's great. And in that one, I did this couple of episodes about this painter, Caravaggio. You know, famous as a painter, but I was talking with Dan Carlin about it. And Dan was like, really? A painter? And I was like, oh, time out. It's not a pa- Yeah, because when you say like that, it's like, oh, great. A, a podcast about this Italian painter from the late 1500s, early 1600s. Who cares? So what? What's exciting about that? Yeah. The way I frame it in a few seconds, I mean, then it turns out to be like a four-hour thing uh, in two different episodes. But I say, imagine if Tupac was an Italian painter in the 1600s rather than being a black rapper in the late 1900s. That's Caravaggio's story right Right. there. And you start reading the whole Caravaggio story and he was basically a gangster. Um, Killed a man in a duel, escaped from prison, you know, all these kind of seedy underworld gangster stuff while at the same time painting the greatest masterpieces of the late Renaissance. And so that makes it a lot more human. You know, when you're telling a story and you're just about, oh, look at this painting. Now, granted, Caravaggio's art is powerful on its own. 
without even any commentary but it's a whole different feel to when you get the whole uh, when you really get the story you feel that you're sitting there in the tavern with a flask of wine while doing it it's more real there's more this sense of i can relate to that as yeah. a human being i can relate to that as a person totally. and to me most that's when history become fascinating otherwise he's dead otherwise he's like who was king in such and such a year who cares what's how does that relate to life how does that relate to me how is that in any way meaning, shape or form meaningful right. uh, which is why a lot of people hate history in school because yeah, it is taught in that way in right. this just list of dates and names and that's it which is it kills all the fun of it. And I think that we have, because we're educated in mm -hmm. that way, yep. that ends up kind of paralyzing ourselves into our ability to perceive the world and ourselves mm -hmm. in a, with more personality in a more sure. dynamic fashion. You know, at any time there's like, freaking read about quantum physics, you know, there's like, oh my God, like there's so much happening. If, if we are taught with that excitement, mm -hmm. then I think that we can kind of keep perpetuating that. Right. But we start from what I see as being a broken model. Right. And now we have broken people. Of course. Of you course. Know, I, I, Completely. In fact, that's one of the big... I mean, there are so many pieces of the puzzles that have to be remade in terms of how we live to live in a way that's even remotely healthy. Education is definitely one of them because the whole educational system is in the best scenario outdated probably never made sense to begin with but definitely now it makes even less sense you know when i look at what uh, like my daughter does in school realistically you can learn the important stuff she does in a day in probably an hour yeah and then the rest is babysitting and just making you learn how to look at the clock and do things on the clock and just sit down when you're told and that kind of thing you know right. it's not really about learning or developing as a human being beyond that spot it's like any hourly wage uh -huh. nine to five i was there yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah definitely so that would be among the many areas that's definitely one yeah how do you have any kind of like because you've you have you still have attachment to that like i need to show up sure world and then you also have this which that, I mean think, I think anything that you're operating in from my perception mm -hmm. seems like it's a creative endeavor because um, you're teaching mm -hmm. you know and you're teaching from that but you also have this like entrepreneurial mm -hmm. side with the podcast sure. and the books and you know all these other things of course do you see like what do you think about what's the evolution for people as far as kind of bridging that gap between doing what I genuinely want to do sure you know I mean it's a tricky game because of course There are things you want to do that are... One of the great arts in life is figuring out how can you make a living doing something that you enjoy, right? And there's always a little bit of a trade-off because unless you marry rich or win the lottery, the odds are that you'd have to dedicate a hell of a long time and being lucky and a lot of other things to figure out how to make good money doing stuff that you purely enjoy, that you're not doing anything but what you enjoy. Right. That's often there's some degree of compromise involved, but of course you want the least possible amount of compromise. And yeah. so that becomes the gig is how can you figure out a balance that works? You know, because that's the other side. You know, people who are very more on the creative side, they tend to be about follow your passion, do that, which is sweet. But you also have to be realistic about 
how much can you live on and be happy? Yeah. And sometimes there's a gap there between what people actually want and what their ideals are, and the two things don't clash. Clearly, you know, the least you need, the easier it is to achieve it. So, of course, the more you can tame down your needs, the better. Yeah. But by the same token, you have to be realistic. And so figuring out, you know, the stuff that I enjoy, how much can it give me in terms of ultimately the freedom not to dedicate time and energy to things that you enjoy less? And that becomes a, a tricky game. It's a dance to try to figure out how to make it all flow. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was studying up. You're bringing something up. I was studying up on like just different guys, Morihei Yoshiba and guys uh-huh. like that. And um, just amazing. Even just like just spend any time looking into into him for sure. example amazing but one of the quotes that he had i'm gonna I, I ruin every quote but it was something along the lines of if you are possessed by nothing then you possess everything mm-hmm. you know and it's it's that but it's i think there's so much of this kind of insidious possession that we don't actually realize it's totally. holding on to us of course of course and it is a tricky business like yesterday i was having a conversation with my daughter because she's seven years old and she really likes her toys and she wants more and more and more and more. And part of my conversation was like, my issue, the issue that I'm having with you right now is that there's always this constant desire for more. And I get it, you're seven. I want every toy there is if I'm seven and I see all the shiny things. The problem is, what I was trying to tell her is the reason why I'm not exactly handing over everything. I mean, I still, you got a lot, but there's a point where you need to learn to say that's it because the issue is I'm not doing you a favor because then you're going to grow up with this feeling that you constantly need more to be happy. And why is that bad? Because then you're going to be dedicating a bunch of time and energy to get the money you need to get these things that you feel that you need to be happy, which then if you dedicate enough time and energy to making the money, and of course, the more your needs are, the more time and energy you have to dedicate, then you're not going to have time and energy to actually enjoy the things that supposedly are there to make you happy. So my whole thing is it's a blanket that's too short. You know, if you are covering your feet, you're not covering up top and vice versa. You know, you need to figure out how to stretch this blanket a little, but also eventually you need to make choices, yeah. you know? And they are different from everybody and they may be different for the same person in different phases of life. It's, it's a constant dance. Yeah, yeah, that's the, um, some ridiculous statistic. We've been, by the age of 30, we're exposed to something like two million commercials of right. some sort. Right, of course. You know, and every one of those messages is, is, is whispering into your ear, bye, bye, bye. you're not good enough. Of course. You of know, course. once yeah. you get this, yeah. you will be valued. Exactly. You know, and it's like, and that's, and it's like, how do we, you know, Joe Campbell called it detribalization. Like, how do we detribalize ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything that you have, any practices that you found or any kind of like, just what do you, how are you doing that dance? You know, I guess is. um, I kind of grew up with this mentality, probably because I grew up around really no money, where you think about it 15 times if, before you buy something, where the idea was always this. Uh, uh, and as a kid, you know, you want everything, but the message was, look, you can get, you can get a toy, 
but are you going to be playing with this toy three months from now? Because if you're not, then what the hell are you making me spend money on that I don't have, which is mean time that I have to spend trying to chase that money down. Yeah. So if you want it, make sure you really want it. You know what I mean? Not that it makes you happy for an afternoon and you're done. Right. Something that actually will stay with you for a while. And so I think I took it too far at times where I've become so monstrously self-denying that I was just like, I don't need this thing and about everything pretty much where I wouldn't spend on anything. And there's a point where it's like, dude, relax a little. You know, you can also enjoy life a little bit. You don't have to be so strict about stuff. Um, I find it probably better to, if I'm to make mistakes, make mistakes a little on the cutting down consumption rather than overdoing it. I rather do too little than too, than too much in this regard. Um, but again, it is a dance and it's a dance that's got to be adjusted at various times in life. Now, I don't really, it's strange because on one end I don't need a lot, on the other end, yeah, of course, if you tell me, do you want to travel across the world for the next three months? It's like, yeah, that sounds good, so, but that, of course, it's money. And it, but generally speaking, yeah, I try to keep a close watch in terms of how much I let my needs grow. Yeah, yeah, there's, um, you know, they say like the person that's in this, in like a flow state, mm -hmm. you know, is that's usually going to be the happiest person. Mm -hmm. The person just spends the most possible time in that place of just absorption in yep. whatever activity it is they're doing. Yeah. You know, and Definitely. culturally we're taking a shift towards being consumed by the material possession. Oh yeah. And it's just, it's full, you know, maybe not full on, but we're in more of like an analytical space. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to the thing where it's just like fucking hiking in the woods or surfing or right. you know, it's exactly. the, the experiences are so much more gratifying and also so much lighter. And I think maybe mm -hmm. that's why they're more gratifying in a sense. Right. You know, you always have that baggage of shit yeah. when you have the thing. You got the cardboard box and the plastic mm -hmm. and all the stuff. You know, have you done any kind of work with that in yourself of cutting down in your life? I mean, I think there wasn't that on to cut down to begin with because I'm like I'm not one to go out and um, buy for myself a lot of things hardly ever yeah. I kind of don't I remember reading uh, way back in the day I read this book by Abby Hoffman called Steal This Book and his whole thing is like you know partially legal but partially his whole the framework is how to live with the least amount of money possible and a lot of what he recommends is heavily legal or is completely unusable today because it was something written way back when where things have changed in a way that you can't really do some of this but the idea was the same it's like how can i get to have certain things without constantly having to trade money for it yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, like for example, let's say I have my podcast, I'll, uh, um, somebody send me a bunch of their gear or their products that are awesome that I like a lot. And in exchange, they get, a sp you know, that kind of thing. And that, that's, that's an example of stuff like that or like a way in which it doesn't require a money exchange sometime. Or there are uh, some ways where you can still get a little bit of gratifying. Oh, I really like the thing. I like to get it without constantly having to trade money. And my main issue with money is like, what's the problem with money is because it's time and energy. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. your time and energy. Every dollar is your time it's and energy that you have to trade to get that money. Yeah. So of course, the more, again, unless you marry rich or it falls from the sky or suddenly you write the book of your life that ends up being Harry Potter by random luck, 
then usually there are more compromises involved. Yeah. Is it okay if we uh, talk about the story with your wife? Sure. And just how that's been, I don't know, how's that influenced your life? How has that changed things? How's that you're raising the daughter? And I mean, I guess one of the things realizing, like, you know, my wife was, um, she was an osteopath. She did, uh, you know, her medical school, work like a dog. Life was theoretically getting to a place where things were going to get easier. And that's, you know, when we had our daughter and like a year and a half, year later, she started getting sick. Six months later, she was dead because of a brain tumor. And so the, one of the things that you realize is doesn't matter how safe you play it. There really is no safety anywhere. You know, being alive means you're not in a safe environment. Just being in the universe means you're not in a safe environment. It's like stuff happens outside of our control all the time, you know. And of course, on one end is a terrifying thing that we all know. I mean, a lot of the time we try to look the other way because it's not a particularly pleasant realization. But the reality, we're all influenced by it, which is why existential anxiety is a very real thing, why people usually have a pretty high degree of fear of death if they actually put their mind to it. Um, But on the other hand, there's an element of it that if you decide to take it that way and on a good day, you may see it as freeing. Because once you realize that there are real that it doesn't really matter how you're going to play your cards. Eventually, everything you like gets to be taken away from you. Mm. You know, whether people, objects, anything else, your own body, your own health, everything goes eventually. Yeah. Again, it's a very horrible reality of what it means to be alive. At the same time, there's this sense of, okay, if it's inevitable, then might as well relax because there's really nothing yeah. you can do about it, right. you know? So you might as well have a good ride before it's fiery end because it's, you know, what else? Can, how is being afraid or worrying about something that's inevitable going to help you? Yeah. Probably not a whole lot. It's just going to ruin the present moment, which is the only time that you have to actually have when things are good. Why spoil it now? Because later there will be a problem. Yeah, later there will be a problem. Yeah. That's it. There's no and no amount of you worrying about it now is gonna change that. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. The um. The, I want I want to talk to you about martial arts, but um. Yeah. So the bo- mind body integration piece with that, you know, it's like there's so many metaphors in martial arts mm-hmm. in relation to life, in relation to yoga, in relation yeah. to life, in relation to freaking anything you get into in relation sure. to life. How has that served you as a as a tool? A therapeutic tool. I think one of the things that I brought up in the latest book I wrote, which was uh, Not Afraid, one of the points I make there is the fact that the biggest takeaway for martial arts for me, especially when it came to experiences such as what happened with my wife, was you know, often we like martial arts because of its sense of empowerment, becoming better and stronger and healthier. And now you can do all these amazing techniques and defeat the opponent. That's great and all. But to me, the biggest takeaway is exactly the opposite direction is getting smashed, you know, is because yeah. inevitably in every doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter how good you get. You're always going to run into somebody who's better than you. Right just how it is right the best fighter in the world is gonna lose that's how it is yeah 
So that those times when the last thing you want is to be there in the moment. You want to get out. This match sucks. I'm getting crushed. This person is better. And there really is nothing I can do in this moment to change it. So your mind is telling you, I like winning. I like the feeling that I get when things are going well. This is not going well. This is not going to go well. I've tried everything I got in the book. Nothing's working. I'm getting crushed. I want out. Right. The problem is you don't get to, especially in life, you don't get to have that option. Where it's like, I don't really like this one. Can we do a redo? You know, I, can we change all my circumstances right now because I'm not enjoying them too much? Yeah. Doesn't work that way. So that ability to stay in a losing fight, keep going forward, fighting on as if you could win when you clearly can't, you know, just that's it doesn't really make any sense because why would you keep fighting hard when it doesn't really matter how hard you fight, you're still going to lose. Yeah. But at the same time, it's one of the most useful things in my mind for life because there will be a bunch of times in life when things don't go your way. When by Just because that's the case doesn't mean that you wishing them for these things to be otherwise will make them different. Yeah. You're still in it. So how are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah, I got um, the opportunity to be like one of the, the guys that Shane Carwin would, would beat up uh-huh. repeatedly as he yeah. was preparing for the fight. What's the wrestler guy's name that he was? Beto Glasner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I got uh, just the amazing opportunity of getting like the most royal ass mm-hmm. whooping on like, a repeated basis. Of course. Amongst a lot of other people. But that yeah. was like one that specifically stood out. Yeah. And it was something that was really magical about it is like exactly, literally exactly what you're saying, like the comfort I started to find in being, you know, bottom of mount or bottom of whatever, whatever it was. Whereas at first it was like, oh, this sucks. Now it's like, oh, this is too bad, but this has kind of become home. (laughs) I I feel pretty good now. It's like, yeah, there's something about learning to be, if not comfortable, something close to it in an uncomfortable situations. Yeah. That's an art in itself. And, yeah. and of course, nobody wants to practice it, rightfully so, because who the hell wants to willingly put themselves in an uncomfortable situation? There's enough uncomfortable shit in life to, why would I? At the same time, because there is plenty of uncomfortable stuff in life that you will run into, whether you like it or not, knowing having a vague sense of how to handle it, having some previous exposure in a more safe set, it may not be a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice with um, the loss of your wife, did you notice that affect your physical body? Oh, yeah. I mean, I got monstrously sick psychosomatically. You know, it was all through um, unprocessed grief, unprocessed emotions, things like that, that, will, that would show up physically. Right. You know, and so I had, uh, yeah, we we're mentioning before we started recording, I was pretty much like a textbook case of uh, case studying, like John Sarno's ideas about the mind body connection. Yeah, uh, all of those things, you know, one of and exactly as Sarno say, when you start fixing the physical issue in one place, then it will pop up in another place yeah. because your mind still hasn't dealt with those things. And your mind is kind of giving you some physical issues yeah. to distract you, to yeah, uh, not make you actually be aware of those things they are trying to keep at bay. Yeah. You know, so that's the um, 
that's and that's definitely was an issue you know it's uh, it's got better and better over the years it's got a lot better um but yeah what what's what's gotten better and what's what's gotten it better the main i mean some of it is just dealing with some of these issues and i've tried a million things i don't know what i i can't point to one thing i did that changed i think it was ten thousand different things they all added an inch to the journey but i think expressing certain emotion coming to terms with them certain degrees of acceptance certain you know all of that process but um but yeah i clearly saw in my physical health progressively change turn a corner over time how did you express the the physical or emotional emotions what was outlets i think that's i think one of the things that pissed me off initially because it's not that i wasn't talking about it so i felt like what the hell do you want from me you know i am doing these things i am talking about certain emotions i am why am I still getting all these uh, psychosomatic things? It's not that I'm ignoring it, that I'm in complete denial, pretending these things don't exist. So what the hell? You know, I, it didn't kind of make sense to me. Then again, there are probably different levels of tackling it and coming to terms with them. Just because you mention it here and there does not mean you're really fully dealing. So I'm sure writing Not Afraid, which does deal with these topics, was part of the story. Uh, reading John Sarno and the whole understanding what was going on with my body, realizing that my mind was causing a lot of it, it helped. Um, I had a horrific mushroom experience, which may have helped me in another kind of way, because um, the best part of that experience consisted in just me crying like crazy for an hour or so and i think that was the good part because it was probably tapping into some unexpressed emotion that i would my conscious self would not allow me to go touch Uh, i like a little less the next seven hours of monstrous existential anxiety when i was sure i was dead and all of that (laughs) that part i could have done without you know i had no problem with the crying part that was useful and i could feel it even at the moment that it was useful the next part not so much yeah yeah you were you were here the the video i've heard of joe rogan play it before where the the cops the cop yeah totally, yeah. totally is, <laughs> i don't know but we're dead He's yeah oh yeah man I mean, I, <laughs> he was bad man he was like i had uh i went through this phase where at one point i completely blacked out early on like after the whole crying thing i completely blacked out mm. and i sort of vaguely regained this sense of consciousness in this change setting. So I was like, there was some lost time there where I'm like, what the hell just happened? You know, why is there water all over, which apparently I was like swishing in my mouth and spitting all over the place. Yeah. Why is, and then from there on, it became pure panic time. It's like, and that that part I could have really without because it was, I didn't feel that I tackled it in a way that helped me. It's like, I knew, I knew what my problems were. It's not that I needed to find out. And I didn't feel that I had that journey that some people talk about where you go deep into the heavy stuff and you come from the other side. If you, no, it was heavier, 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 total complete crap, a little more, and then it was over. And I'm like, hey, what happened to the other swing of the journey where right. I feel better and I see the light? Still and, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, though, I did start feeling better in the following weeks. So was there a connection to this? Probably. 
I kind of hate to admit it, maybe because I hated the experience so bad, but there's a serious possibility that it helped me in some way, yeah. along with a bunch of other things I was doing. Yeah. You know, so I think when you put it all together, again, there was no single thing that helped me. There were probably a bunch of things that helped me. Yeah, I mean, I think at any given time, our body has, you know, going back to like the old or like we're the head of the wave yeah. kind of analogy. You know, we can access so much, but I think it's you know ayahuasca is something that um, they talk about a lot with this, sure. where it kind of teaches you or gives you exactly what you need and nothing more, mm-hmm. nothing less kind right. of thing. And um, you know, I think that it's, that's that, you know, as we were doing some body work talking about like in really industrial places, I find a lot more numb sure. people, you know, right. because there's so much happening. So we need to block it out or I'll go freaking crazy. Of course. You know, so it's that process of slowly starting to access yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like the, that's like the biggest, scariest subject because it's, it's not measurable in a beaker. We have this hard, Yeah, that's when the world you know and I think that's why it would be nice to do it in less monstrously traumatic ways <laughs> that would be nicer to have uh, doesn't have to be 0 to 150 right. it would be nice to have something in between yeah because it's it's a little heavy <laughs> yeah 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 did you practice any um, or did you feel martial arts or like I don't know if you ever, if you tinker with any kind of dance related stuff or just exercise in general but something that you felt a connection with working through that? I mean, it certainly helps to... Like, the feeling post-good workout is just awesome. It's like you have cleaned out the house, right? Yeah. It's like there's all this pressure that's building up, frustration, nervousness, this, that. And when you get this great workout where nothing else exists for those two hours and you're in the moment and your physical self is 100% involved, there's a sense afterwards of, ah... What was I stressing about, right. you know? So that's more, I think, a maintenance thing, like mental health maintenance, where going through it two, three times a week keeps keeps too much crap from accumulating inside, which will then manifest itself in being frustrated and angry and snapping at people and all that shit, yeah. you know? So I find it as uh, if the pressure cooker is on, you just lifted the lid, let it cool down some, back up it goes again but you know exactly how to lift it one more time so i find that extremely useful yeah do you have any kind of traditions around writing or yeah that i mean my main problem with writing is that i think my main problem with a lot of things is that i don't get to do that one thing i'm juggling 50 things at the same time so you know People who normally, uh, if you are a writer, you wake up, you write, right? You do that. That's what you do throughout the day, at least X number of hours a day. For me, it's I carve myself two hours from writing and it takes you an hour to get in the zone and then write a little. And it's not that, okay, I got over that initial hump and now tomorrow morning I wake up and do the same. It's like, okay, in a week, maybe I have another hour and a half between. It's like... So it's funny because I never get to have the continuity that if you are a writer, you kind of need to have. And yet, because my life is set up in a way that I can currently change, it's not that I have an option. Well, the option is then don't write. And since I don't like that option, then I'm like, no, I'll do it. I'll do it, whatever. You know, if I have an hour here and an hour there, that's what I'll do. 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I would like it a lot, a lot better, a lot better, 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 but mainly one thing I do a lot is I listen to music, certain songs that, okay. um, and I find music that doesn't have words to be helpful because otherwise I start listening to the words and I get sidetracked. Occasionally there are some that where there are lyrics that can work. A lot of times, especially once I'm getting into the zone, then I really don't need the words. I need to kind of just hear this while play this thing, so I'll repeat over and over to kind of strike a certain emotional chord that will make it easier to get into making it real when you write. Yeah, yeah. I've always found not knowing the language to be helpful as mm -hmm. well, because sure. you know, because like as we're talking right now, yeah. we're just playing you know sure. each other's instrument and going back and forth. It's just we've confined these sounds that we create mm -hmm. into definitions and we're able to yeah. to do the thing you know but when you change that up and it's just yeah. you know sound someone playing the instrument of their their voice box right i think that's a cool thing but it's just having that mantra kind oh, of thing totally. in the background and i think it's really about emotions because yeah. sometimes you know you sit down and you're not feeling that much and you're gonna write stuff that to me most writing, if it's good writing, you need to have emotional content. Totally. But if you're not in that emotional space and you're just having a mellow, easy day, it may not be that easy to get to writing. That you're gonna write from the outside. You're not really when you get in when you get in that space and then you write. There's a deeper level of intensity in all the words you use. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. It's a Nietzsche quote where he says. Uh, um, I forget the exact quote right now, but along the lines of, oh yeah, I only love what a man writes with his own blood. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it's usually translated. That's I was awesome. trying to remember the exact trans. There are a couple of different versions, but that's one, right? Yeah. If you're not putting all of yourself into it, if you're not putting passion, intensity, then what the hell, am, why am I reading it? Yeah. Why are you writing it and why am I reading it? Totally. So... I find music to be a great stimulant to get you to be in that space, because nobody's in that space 24-7. You're not in this 100% emotional, intense, real, raw moment 24-7. Yeah. And it's fine not to be. But when I write, I want to be, because <laughs> yeah. that's what separates the writing that's going to be powerful, that's going to have an impact from writing that's like, eh, yeah, that's nice, who cares? Right, yeah, I find the, the balance like you're saying, between like life and writing to be mm -hmm. really valuable. Not that I'm, you know, any writer, but, you know, I, I, I like to write stuff. And, uh, you know, but sometimes I think you can meet, you know, a writer or a musician or an actor or whatever it is. And the individual that you meet is kind of like disappointing. Oh, sure. Because of course. They're like just a writer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they're yeah. not an experiencer. No. They've just, in their mind, they have this amazing way yeah. of, of producing it. But I really value, like you're saying, like write it in blood, you know, like, mm -hmm. like having that combination, that life experience throughout your day, your week, whatever it is. And then coming to a point of putting it on paper as well. And I think what you're describing to the experience of, it's a little tricky because when you're reading somebody, you're reading... Hopefully, if they've done a good job, you're reading their stuff, it's them at their best. It's yeah. them at a one particular frequency of them. Nobody is what they write 24-7. Right. And that's fine. And that's totally okay. And sometimes it may even just be you catch them on the wrong day yeah. and you see one face that's real. You know, it's not that it's not real. It's part of them. But yeah. it's 
5% of them, the writing is another 10% of them, there's a whole other 85% in between that's neither or, that's something else entirely. Yeah. And that's part of having all these multiple energies that yeah. are part of who we are. I was recently talking to somebody about, um, I'm spacing this name right now, what's the guy that you talk about with uh, EQ? EQ, EQ. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, and he's there, I think there's a lot of, I'd love to, to get into that just because I think that in this world, like I talk to a lot of people in the realm of like ancestral health and all mm -hmm. that stuff, I think we can become very dogmatic with our beliefs that if you don't have just the right, you know, amount of turmeric and pepper sure. and like all these things, then you're failing, you know, but then there, I think there's also a lot of value in the person that whatever eats a bunch of fill in the blank and goes to a club and you know, there's sure. other parts of the world to explore. Absolutely. I'm trapped in that. I'm doing the right thing kind of thing. Yeah, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I tend to distrust. And I understand sometimes it's just the use of language is not really what they mean. But when people tend to emphasize too much the idea of uh, being spiritual, being mm -hmm. it's like spiritual as opposed to what, you know, it's like I'm, I'm alive. I live things with full intensity. Right. Is that what you mean by spiritual? Is that like sometimes I feel that we play these tape of what it means to be spiritual, healthy, this, that, and more often than not, it turns out to be the stereotype of what being spiritual, healthy, and everything else is. It's like, this is some new age fantasies of what spirituality to me is. Because yeah. to me, spirituality, you know, meditating in a temple is great but it's not any more real than uh, playing with your kids in the mud, you know? Yeah. That, if lived with a certain degree of consciousness, that's spirituality right there. And I don't see one in alternative to the other. Whereas in the textbook definition of these things, you, it is very sanitized, very cleaned up, very... Yeah, um, yeah I think you can create disassociation as well mm -hmm. you know when you're like i am i'm doing the right you know it's like yeah. look at like the catholic church exactly exactly <laughs> you, know, and you can see you can see at any time that people are really forcing themselves into this yeah. paradigm that because it's the right thing some kind of weird funky mutation usually ends up manifesting oh, yeah. totally you know and it's it's so what are you how do you explore all those parts of your of yourself like what's i think one good starting point to avoid screwing up is, I mean, I really live by very few rules or laws. Right. I think kindness is an excellent start because it will prevent you from fucking up too bad. Right. That once you give yourself the freedom to explore in different direction, if you're still mindful of, hey, still be a decent human being to other people, still try not to cause unnecessary suffering kind of thing. Yeah. That's a good guideline. I don't think you need too many more past that point in terms of limitations. My thing is, as long as I'm treating everybody nicely, I'm not taking advantage of anybody, I'm not intentionally hurting anybody, then what's the problem with experimenting with all sorts of things? Yeah. Um, as Again, there's experiments that kill you and experiments that don't, so try to stay away from the ones that kill you, ideally. But, you know, it's... Uh, I see it all as part of the development of who you are as a human being. Yeah. Is there anything that you're presently excited about? Like as far as like chat, like I told you this year was like chapter of Aaron is like tribe and network yeah. and creating all that. Like where, where are you at with all that? Is there a um, place that you can pick, point at? I think I'm a couple of things. On a physical level, I think I'm 
gonna be back to a place where I can do a little more martial arts. You know, I've been dipping my toes back in the water for the last three. There was a period of probably three, four years where I could get next to nothing and it sucked and I hated yeah. it and it coincided of course with the part where my mind was less how I would like it to be. Yeah. The last two, three years I've been dipping my toes back in the water. I would like to add a little more to it. <laughs> just go for a swim a little more rather than just dip my toes in the water. So I'll do that. That's my goal. And also I'm trying to figure out ways to shift my life a little bit to be more free in time and energy to do things I want. Now, there's really nothing. Mine in this scenario are very first world problems because when I think about the bad parts of my life, they're still better. I have it still better than a lot of people. Um, I don't like to be on the freeway for three hours trapped in a car and it sucks. That's not fun. I don't like... So there are dealings sometimes with the bureaucracy that's part of academia or doing... That's bullshit. That's not fun. I like teaching. I like the interaction with the students. I don't really enjoy having to assign some bullshit busy work because some administrator is going to be happy and then grade some bullshit busy work. That's not fun for me or the (laughs) students. It's like... That's a waste. Say, can you say what your the your what you you do by the way? Because we kind of like alluded to sure. I teach stuff. history in college, a um, couple of different colleges in Southern California. Yeah, and um, and again, it's it's great. Yeah, it's a good it's a good gig. Right. Some parts of it are not. And again, so I'm not starting from a point of oh, there are all these terrible things going on. It's more I like to clean up my life to expand the areas of freedom reduce the areas where I feel that I'm tied to a model that I don't particularly like, have more time to write, have more time to podcast, have more time just to sit out and not feel that I'm constantly, okay, what's next? Okay, I'm behind. There are seven things I need to do and which one? It's a dance because on one end, there are a lot of things I enjoy doing. On the other hand, when it becomes a 24-7 kind of thing, then you don't enjoy them anymore. You're doing them because you remember that it was a good idea to try to do them. And so it's like, find the right balance. I have been trying. I think I got better over the last couple of years. I need to, there are many, many more steps to take in that direction. What are the steps you're actively taking right now? Uh, Right now, for example, I'm planning to I'm putting together an online course for Onnit regarding Taoism. And that's interesting because the more I can start doing things like that, the more the podcasts are going well, the more I can do stuff along those lines, the less I will depend on teaching college, which means that then I don't have to take all the classes. I can afford to teach less. I still do it because it's fun, but not as many days of the week, not quite as much. Right. That's kind of the goal. Cool. Try to get a lot of his experiments, figuring out what works. And anytime you're trying to adjust a balance is a matter of, uh, yeah, sometimes you go too far one way and then you go, oh, okay, 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 let's yeah. go back. Other, oh, now I'm too far the other way. Let's, it's the balancing act that takes a few tries back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that your background with, with just the amalgamation of history and martial arts mm-hmm. and movement and you know awareness and kind of just like 
your fascination with all those worlds coming in together. How is how is your your research into our history sure. affected like your perception of the world or just something that maybe like yeah, this is kind of special to my to my research. Yeah, you know, that it's not just you wouldn't just get this just from. I think there are. I'm really interested in figuring out, and of course, I can't expect I'm gonna figure it out on my own, or it's this is a global thing. But I'm very interested in figuring out ways where we can still get the best from past lifestyles, more tribal lifestyles, right. with the fact that we live in modern world, and there are great things about the modern world. So how can I get the best of what technology has to offer today, what civilization has to offer today, without being tied to all of its crap? Yeah. And vice versa, right. how can I bring back some things that work amazingly in a more tribal style of living without the many limitations that characterize it? Because sometimes we romanticize, right? We like to look into the past, imagine there was this golden age where everything was great. Some things may have been a lot better than now. Right. Other things were 10 times worse. Yeah. I'm not here to make a contest of which one... If I have to pick which one, I don't have to pick. I can try to bring back the best stuff of one approach and combine it with the best of another. Yeah. And I think we need to, just as people, because all our modern lifestyle is such a recent experiment, you know, in the lights of tens of thousands of years of human presence on Earth. The way we live now is a tiny drop in an ocean. So we're still figuring out what's healthy and what's not, how all the new technologies that have developed over the last 150 years or so, how to integrate them in a lifestyle that's actually pleasant and that you want to live. How do we deal with the fact that, you know, the average, let's say we're in the US right now, the average American lives as part of a nuclear family where the max it stretches is usually mother, father, kids, right. which is completely not the way human beings have lived for 99.9% .9 of the time we've been on Earth. How can we... How can we play the game when our cities, our activities, our jobs, our education is not designed along those lines? Yeah. How can we figure out how to make it more along those lines? And what those lines are changes for everybody, right? The exact balance from one person to the next varies. But thinking in terms of in the best possible world, is this how I would want to live? Right. I don't find myself saying that too often, not because I don't have good things or I don't enjoy my life, but I can think of a lot of ways to make it better. You know? Yeah. Cool, man. You got to pick up your daughter. I think I do. Um, how do people check out you, podcast, all the things? I think, speaking of technologies, I think the gods of Google will be nice to you. So if you see just my name, the way it's spelled in the episode notes or however you put it out there, it's Daniele Bolelli, but again, it's a weird Italian name, so I think trust <laughs> in the... Yeah, yeah. in Italy. Cool. And um, then once you type that in, usually all the things pop up. Podcast, books, uh, Twitter, Facebook, the whole deal. Sweet. So they won't confuse you for all the other Daniele Bolellis. All the 3,000 Daniele Bolellis. Uh, actually, I felt bad. There are like a couple, I think, out there yeah, on right. Facebook who must hate my guts because... Right. <laughs> You know, if they ever type themselves or my stuff up, right. I'm like, sorry. Yeah, well, cool, man. Well, thanks so much. Thank Appreciate you. It. I, um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Align Podcast.
thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump on the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, a uh, couple things you can do, one of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, you can utilize the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on Amazon, please and thank you. Bookmark that link. Every time you do it, we get something like 7% of your purchase and it helps support this show. It is awesome. So great. As well, something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you knows um, has ears and likes books, uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align. And then from there, that is uh, you get a free audio book from Audible. They have something like, I don't know, a bajillion different titles to choose from. Uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram. I, it's a huge book and uh, again, all free no matter what size the book you get. And that got me through, I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and uh, just really, really amazing website, uh, amazing service, couldn't recommend it more and uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing. Costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show, boom. Um, Thanks so much for reviews on iTunes. That's greatly appreciated. And thanks just in general for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for, for spreading the word. All right. I can't express enough how much I appreciate all that. If you guys ever have any questions or comments, you feel free to email me directly at Aaron at aligntherapy.com. And I would love to talk. All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.